Good morning once more. It is a, it's a funny Sunday, right? It's Labor Day. And Labor Day for me is this kind of very strange, liminal, in-between space. Summer's kind of wrapping up, and fall's not quite here. It's kind of in the air, can't quite tell what's happening. And, and it's a strange kind of irony, too, that even though Labor Day was developed to celebrate the, the workers, the laborers who have worked so hard to build this country and to continue to build it, we use it really to prepare for the work year and school year ahead. Um, and so all of that is to say that by being here, all of you are so deeply appreciated. And I know that there's a lot that you're probably anticipating in the weeks and months to come as we begin this year. Um, so I think we, we should all take, before we read this scripture, a collective deep breath. <laughs> I, I think we need another. Because we have a lot ahead of us, and it was in that seeking for what happens next that I came to, you know, my favorite book and found the scripture for this week. So as we enter into the reading of scripture, I will pray, Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. And our scripture this week comes from the book of Joshua, chapters 1, verses 1 through 7, and then 3, verses 5 through 6. And it reads, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, My servant Moses is dead. Now proceed to cross the Jordan, you and all this people, into the lands that I am giving to them, to the Israelites. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and the Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, and all of the land of the Hittites, to the great sea in the west shall be your territory. No one shall be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall lead this people to possess the land that I swore to their ancestors to give to them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to act in accordance with all the law that my servant Moses commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, so that you may be successful wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. You shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to act in accordance with all that is written in it. For then you shall make your way prosperous, and then you shall be successful. I hereby command you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened or dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Then Joshua said to the people, sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. To the priests, Joshua said, take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on in front of the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went in front of the people. The word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. 
Oh, I love these verses. And they're verses that we don't often hear in Christian context and in church. And I love them because they're a strong assurance of the fact that God is with you. We heard three times, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. God is with you. But there's also a slight disclaimer in these lines before we dive into studying the scripture. Um, because it, they are verses about entering the Holy Land. About entering into this liminal space, this new chapter, this new time in our lives and season. And the, in the fulfillment of the Holy Land has been wrought many times with conversations about taking land, about taking space, about imperialism. These verses have been used for dangerous ways to take land away from original inhabitants and to use God as an excuse to do that. And I, before we dive into scripture, I do want to acknowledge the way in that this passage and this narrative, this mindset, it's had a really large impact on the subjugation of land and, and the people who have stewarded it. I mean, here we are on our promised soil, and it is called Pequot Drive. And so as our youth group kids know, this land that we call holy, when we worship, did not come without strings attached. But that disclaimer aside, I also don't just want to write off this verse because of its history, because I think something really, really cool is happening in it. So I want to look at the context a little bit. Our scripture is a set of prescriptions for entering the Holy Land. Now, we all kind of know what this idea of the Holy Land was, and it's a story that began in the book of Exodus, right? The Israelites were enslaved in Egypt. They were subjugated by Pharaoh, made to do a lot of work. And Moses was sent as a prophet, as a deliverer, to deliver the Israelites out of subjugation and into freedom. They were promised that they would be given a land of milk and honey. And it is in that that we get the dramatic scenes of crossing the Red Sea, of you know, fire coming from the sky, of God doing incredible things. And then something difficult happened. Then they were in the wilderness, without food, without water, without any kind of hope, it seems. And the Israelites wandered there for 40 years. 40 years, and they were led by Moses, this charismatic leader, this strong figure who told them and reassured them over and over again that he had heard the, verse, the voice of the Lord, that he had received the law from on high in Mount Sinai, and that he had it in two tablets and that they ought to listen to it. Moses, as a leader, brought them through the difficult time in the wilderness. And we don't talk about it a lot, but it was not Moses that brought them into the Holy Land. Moses died just before crossing into the Holy Land. Moses never saw the answer to the promised land. Moses never set foot there. It wasn't God's will for Moses. And so we have the book of Joshua, from which we just read, where Joshua, Moses' assistant, a young upstart without the history, without the strength, without the Pharaoh's lineage, takes that role and is the one to lead them into the holy land and he does this carrying the ark of the covenant which comes up in our scripture now the ark of the covenant was the spiritual centerpiece for the israelite tribe as they wandered through the wilderness it carried inside of it the two stone tablets of the ten commandments that moses had received in other words it carried the time that god had spoken to them it carried the law yes but also proof that God had given them something tangible to rely upon in the desert. And it's really inconvenient to carry it. 
it had, you know, it was big and large and there were a set of prescriptions to carry it and they're carrying it. And so Moses does not get to enter the Holy Land. Joshua is appointed and we receive this text. And there are four things that I notice in this text that I want us to dive into. And the first is the assurance that God is with us. It says, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened or dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. You have to imagine this in the context of not knowing where they are. You know, we, I cannot drive anywhere without Google Maps. I have to know where I'm going. I'm sure many of us are the same, where we like to know where we're going. We want to know the next step before we reach this next step, right? We want to know where we're going before we take that step. The Israelites in the wilderness had a cloud of smoke that the Lord was supposedly in that they had to follow. They didn't know where they were going. They had to trust. They had to have complete and total faith. And that's what we receive here is assurance that even though this terrifying, terrifying unknown is in front of them, this liminal space of the wilderness where they could meet starvation, dehydration, or just a really bad day, anything, anything could happen. God assures them that he's with them wherever they go. And I think that that carries on to us too. Wherever we go in this next year, there's a song lyric I really love that says, I don't know where I'll be next fall, but I'll be there anyway. Wherever we go, God is gonna be with us. We have that assurance. And so, because we have that assurance, we can be strong and courageous. But that assurance isn't the end of this story, right? God just doesn't say, hey, everything will be fine. Trust me, we'll wander on into the wilderness and nothing else. The second thing I notice is that there's work involved. Because God says, be strong and courageous, but being careful to act in accordance with the law that my servant Moses commanded you. In other words, God does not just send them off free pass. There's work involved in having a relationship with God. There's work involved in following the path that God has set for us. It says, the book of the law shall not depart out of the, your mouth. You shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to act in accordance with all that's written in it. We have to put in the work. We have to make t space. Take time to ask God what we're supposed to be doing. And the way in the scripture that God does this is actually really, really funny because it's not just work, right? We have the concept that working is working hard. It is about being the most efficient. And yet, the next part of Joshua is the most inefficient thing that I can imagine. God gives them this mission. They're supposed to go out, hike into the wilderness, claim this space. You would think that you would do that with armies. You would do that with a certain amount of terror. You would do that quickly. You would do that with strength. You wouldn't, you know, say carry a giant stone edifice that, that carries the word of the Lord. And so that's the third thing I notice is that it's not just working, but it's working intentionally and working to make space for God. See, the next verse, it says, pass on before the ark of the Lord, your God, into the middle of the Jordan, and each of you take up a stone on his shoulder, one for each of the tribes of Israel, so that it may be a sign among you 
When your children ask in time to come, what do those stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut out in front of the Ark of the Covenant and the Lord. When it crossed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the Israelites a memorial forever. I want you to imagine you've wandered for 40 years. You're about to cross into the promise that God has set out for you. And instead of God saying, rush right into it, this is yours, you've worked for it. Do the work hard, work smart, absolutely. Carry a stone? Carry a stone through the water? Carry this Ark of the Covenant in front of you? That doesn't make sense for a military leader. That doesn't make sense. And yet, that's the assurance and faith that we have is that it's not about working smarter or harder. It's about working to make the most meaning. And that, I think, is the lesson of this, is that fourth lesson of wonder. How often do we work hard or we work smart? How often when we look at the semester, the year, the fall ahead of us, do we think about our schedules? Do we plan out? Do we map all of the ways in which we're going to work hard, that this year is going to be better, that we're going to accomplish these things? And instead, what would happen if we cut out a space to say, where's God going to work? How can I set a physical reminder of where God is working in my life? Because that's what the Ark of the Covenant is. They didn't need the Ark of the Covenant to have God with them. We're told in the, in the scripture that we have God with us right now. We have the Holy Spirit. God is with us. We have that assurance from the beginning of this verse and into the later years. But it's helpful to set up reminders to carry a stone that reminds you of the weight that you've carried, to carry a physical book of the law with you as a reminder of what God has said to you in the past and the promises that God is going to fulfill. The work that God instructs us to do in entering into the promised land, this time of milk and honey, that I think is what this fall is, what the school year, what the work year is, is not work harder. It's work harder to make space for wonder. And what is wonder? But something that catches you off guard, something you didn't expect, something you couldn't have scheduled, something you couldn't have planned. It's the route that you accidentally take when your phone is dead and Google Maps isn't loading that leads you somewhere fun or somewhere unexpected or somewhere very difficult from which you grow. Wonder, we get the verse, sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Just like in the beginning where we receive the full assurance that God is with us, in the middle of this passage, we then have the prescription that we have work to do. You have to carry stones. You have to carry the Ark of the Covenant. You should follow the law. You should do the things that are yours to do. This isn't a free pass that God is giving you. There are obligations. There's a relationship. We are to do justice. We are to love mercy. We are to walk kindly. But at the end, too, there is the awareness that it's not just our work that matters, that what we need to do is not work to construct ourselves, but work to deconstruct ourselves, to make ourselves open, to sanctify ourselves, in other words, to create a space inside of us for the Holy Spirit to enter, for the Lord to do wonders among you.
And so as we sit here on this Sunday and we anticipate the year ahead, what wonders do you expect God to do in your life this year? What wonders do you expect God to do in our community this year? What is the dream, the dream work, not what you think should happen, not the worst case scenario, not all the plannings and stipulations for what could go terribly wrong, but the best case scenario? What does that look like? And how can, rather than you work towards that, because we absolutely should, this is not a Jesus take the wheel, hands off scenario, how can we create space so that work can be done, so that work can be in motion. Part of this is about envisioning the Holy Land. In this liminal space, we've been wandering through the desert of the summer, and it's time to step into the Holy Land. And what are we gonna do? Are we gonna rush into it? Or are we going to intentionally take stones and carry them so that when our children ask in the time to come, what do these stones mean to you? We can tell them, well, these stones are evidence of the time that God liberated me, that God saved me, that God showed me what was possible when I didn't believe it. What does wonder look like to you? I, um, I've been thinking a lot about wonder and about opening oneself up to where the Spirit might lead in the context of the Holy Spirit. As many of you know, I, I served as a chaplain this summer, and you never really knew what was going to happen when you knocked on a door. You couldn't write a sermon because you didn't, even if you read the diagnosis, you didn't know what that person was going through. We wander very blindly through life. We don't know in conversation the next line that someone is going to say to us. We trust in the moment to fill us. And so, because this is an intimate crowd and because I love you all very much, I'm gonna confess that I actually very intentionally did not write an entire sermon. I wrote a guideline. I wrote an outline. I wrote and made space for God to say what God was gonna say. Just like we do normally, just like it's terrifying to do here in a pulpit. Like, I am so scared. Thank you all for being here. Um, but maybe God showed up. Maybe the Spirit is here. Maybe God didn't. I don't believe that, though. I think that we are called, in fact, to construct stones, to create an altar in the way that Joshua did, right? Here are the guidelines that we want to try to live up to but where is the Spirit going to enter? We talked a lot about the Holy Spirit in church this year, about the way that it's calling us to move, and I want us to continue that in the year to come. I want us to continue that as we step into this new school year, as we step into this new church year. Where are we called to find wonder? I find wonder looking at, at faces. I, I love watching everyone's face when they see Bo Sing. For example, there's wonder because you don't know what's going to come next. And so, rather than working harder or smarter this year, I'm sure we'll do plenty of that. I hope that we work with wonder and that we put that work in. And I think that on Labor Day, of all days, it is a day to celebrate that work 
and that wonder, knowing that we don't go it alone, knowing with that assurance that even when it's scary, God says to us, be strong and courageous, for you shall lead this people to possess the land that I swore to give them. And he says again, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened or dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Into this next year, this medical procedure, this relationship, this conversation, this lunch date, this anything. Be strong and courageous and trust that spirit and the work will be done. Amen.